Lord, you are welcome here. And not, not just here in this room or here in this worship experience. You're welcome into every part of our lives. The good parts, some of us, Lord, this morning are doing great. And we're thankful for that. And we welcome you into that. And some of us are barely hanging on. But we trust you, Lord, and we invite you into that too. Lord, these, these prayer cards I have in my hand, there are also folks here in this room that have needs. And so, Lord, we, we lift this up to you. I lift up every need in this room, every need of the, every person joining us online, and every need in my hand. We trust you, God. We pray that you would put relationships back together. We, we trust you with our kids. We trust you with our health. Would you be our healer? We pray for healing today. We pray for restored relationships. We pray for financial breakthrough, Lord. We put all this in your hands, and we trust you. I also pray, Father, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would change our hearts, and you would start with mine. We don't want to leave here the same way we got here, so make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Didn't these guys do a fantastic job? As always, they do so good. Last week I was in Austin, Texas. I gathered with a group of uh, five pastors, and we rented a house in, in Austin, an uh, Airbnb, and we just spent three days. We had all this stuff planned, and we didn't do any of it. We just spent three days uh, in a small group type of environment, just sharing with each other. And I'm so grateful for a church that, my church, that I can do that kind of stuff and encourage other pastors. Let me tell you how many, there are so many other pastors and churches that are learning from what God is doing here. It's incredible. And I'm thankful that we can do that because I have uh, so many folks on our staff and part of our team that can step in. Didn't Ben do an incredible job last week? Yeah, he did awesome. And I was, we're, we're I, get, I, got, I jumped online to see how the service was going, and I saw that the sound all went out, and I thought that was even better. Like, when that, those of you that were here, it was just like this a cappella worship experience. Loved it. It was awesome. So great job, everybody. Thank you. So my friend, I haven't talked to you about my friend Pancho in a while, uh, but my friend Pancho and his wife got in a big fight, and they were fighting about money. And she says, Pancho, you spend $50 a week on beer, and that, you got to stop that. That's way too much. And he says, well, this week you spent $50 at the beauty salon, you spent $50 getting your nails done, and you spent $25 on makeup. And she goes, well, yeah, Pancho, but, but I need all that because that makes me pretty enough so that you'll want to kiss me. And he says, well, so is the beer, but it's half the price. It's a lot less expensive. <laughs> that was the third time I told that joke today, and uh, that's about how it went all of them, honestly. So... Uh, <laughs> So today, uh, we're going to continue this series we've been in, uh, One Step, and we're, I'm encouraging, we're all encouraged, being encouraged to take one step forward in our journey with God and our relationship with God, and so we're all going to have different steps in the room. Your, your step might be different than your neighbor's step, and, and so um, it's, that's okay. We're all in different places in our walk with God, uh, but today, we're going to talk about uh, generosity and tithing. And I know that this is a difficult subject in churches because people who are critical of the church often say, all those churches talk about is money, right? And maybe you're, it's your first time here or you invited a friend and you're like, you should come to this church. It's so awesome. The worship's great. The pastor looks like Mario Lopez and The Rock had a baby. Like it's so... That wasn't a joke. Like that was... Okay. And then, then, then your friend comes or you come and it's, we're talking about money. But I want to encourage you to open your heart a little bit and just say, God, what are you telling me? Because we're not just talking about being generous with our money. We're talking about being generous in a lot of ways. So we're going to start off with what, something Jesus said about this subject. Let's start off with what he said. This is Jesus talking, Matthew chapter 6. 
He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. So here Jesus is talking, and he's setting up kind of the stage, and he says, there's two masters at work here. And one of them is obviously God. And so who's the other one? Is, it, is he saying you can't serve God and the devil? Because that would be hard, right? One minute you're like, amen. The next minute you're flipping people off in traffic. And nobody does that. Well, some people do that. Let's be honest. Anyway, uh, if that's you, take our cross off your car at least, okay? Like, don't be that person. Okay. Anyway, just kidding. Um, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. So, so maybe, maybe Jesus is talking about no one can serve God and, and your spouse, right? Or your girlfriend. And you're like, you know, hang up. No, you hang up. Okay, same time. One, two, three. You didn't hang up, right? Maybe it's that. Maybe that's what God's talking about. Or maybe he's talking about uh, no one can serve maybe God and themselves, our own agenda. So, so let's see who the other master is because this seems important. Jesus is talking about, about who's going to be the, the Lord of our hearts. So let's see who the other master is. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. Isn't that kind of surprising? Out of all of the dualities that he could have picked, this is the one he focuses on. Now, uh, you need to know that Jesus understood money, and he understood uh, what we think it can provide for us. And so he knew that there would be this constant struggle or this constant wrestling match for who was going to have the number one spot in our hearts. Now, Jesus talked a lot about money, except for the kingdom of God. Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven and hell put together. He talked more about money than he did about prayer. And so Jesus is inviting us to this place where we have to make a decision, and we have to choose who we're going to serve. Is there some way, angel, that we could systematically fight against this and kind of come up with a system so that we could win this? I'm glad you asked me that, because he answers yes. This man, his name is Edward Kenner. And in 1783, he was a doctor. He was a doctor in Europe. And during that time, smallpox was making its way through Europe. Now, consider for a second how lethal smallpox was. Out of every 10 children that got smallpox during this time, eight of them would die. And so 80% mortality rate with kids. Now imagine, remember during COVID how bananas everything was? Imagine if eight of every 10 kids that were getting COVID would have died. Could you imagine how crazy the world would have been then? So that's what's happening in Europe at this point. And Edward Kenner is studying this, and he's a doctor, and he's working on it. And so whenever anybody got smallpox back then, what they would do is they would just try and avoid it. So if someone in their village got it, they would quarantine that guy, they would quarantine their kids, and their, their best defense was just avoid it and hope for the best. Edward Kenner noticed something different, though. He noticed that there was a certain group of people that no matter how much they were exposed to smallpox, they would never get it. And he noticed they had two things in common. Number one, they were all milkmaids. So there were these, these young ladies who would milk cows. They had that in common. The second thing is, every one of their cows had cowpox. And so cowpox was a form of smallpox, but it was less lethal. Cows would get it, people would get it. But when the people got it, they would get really sick, but they wouldn't die. The kids wouldn't die. So Edward, so he noticed that these milkmaids had all had it, and then none of them got smallpox. They just got sick with cowpox. So he had an idea. He says, let's expose everybody to cowpox. Now, the way they did it, the cows, when they got it, would get these big sores on them. 
And so what he would do is he would bust that sore open, take the, I don't know, juice, I don't know, whatever was in there, and he would rub it on people. Could you imagine if you went to your doctor tomorrow, you need your flu vaccine, and he gets a cow and busts it, like, that would be, I'm, I'll get the flu, man, I'm good, right? But that's what he did. And he noticed that when, pe- when he did that, they would all get cowpox, and they would get really sick, but they wouldn't die. And then when they recovered, if they were exposed to smallpox, they wouldn't get it. So in his writing, as he was writing about his work, he wrote, um, he came up with the word vaccine. And it comes from the Latin word vaca, word the cow. So this is where we get the word vaccine. Now, I don't want to talk about what you think about vaccines or the COVID vaccine or the shot or the microchip or any of that, okay? We're not talking about that. But we are talking about vaccinating our hearts against this. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. If you've spent any time on this planet at all, you know that's true. Oftentimes people misquote that. They'll say, the Bible says that money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. It says the love of money. It's that place again in our hearts where Jesus is warning us, be careful. So what's the vaccine against the love of money? It's simple. Be generous. Generosity. Now, it's hard to quantify generosity. It's like trying to talk about someone who's rich, right? When is someone rich? How much money do you have that makes you rich? In the United States, we are all considered rich compared to the rest of the world, but have you ever asked a rich guy if they're rich? 100% of the time, no, I'm not rich. But so-and-so, Earl, he's rich. I'm just comfortable, right? Same thing with generosity. We all have felt generous at times. Maybe you gave some money or some food to a homeless person. Maybe you helped somebody push their car out of a ditch. Maybe you, were, you gave some time at work to someone you didn't really need to, but you were, you were helpful. Maybe you gave some money to a nonprofit or a church or some other good organization. Those are all good indicators that you are being generous. But Jesus introduces, or the Bible introduces, a systematic way of being generous that will work as a vaccine against that kind of uh, greed in our hearts. There, it's, but, but it's hard to measure generosity. It's like um, PE class in high school, right? Did, as long if you just, you basically just had to have a body and show up and you're going to pass PE class, right? Nobody ever failed PE class. You just showed up and you're good. Now, I said that in the last service and I had three people come up to me after and say, I failed PE class, all right? So I knew I had that kind of church. Anyway. So this systematic way that Jesus, that the Bible introduces to us, we read about it first in the Old Testament, and it basically can be summed up with this, giving God what is His. So we're going to talk about three Ps under giving God what is His. The first is perspective. We're going to return the tithe. Tithe means tenth. We'll talk more about that in a minute. To God. Now, we first see this idea in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 27. A tithe of everything from the land. This is God talking. Tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now, I know that a lot of times people say, well, that's the Old Testament. We don't practice things in the book of Leviticus, and you're right. But tithing predates the law. If you know anything about that, King Melchizedek 
Melchizedek tithed to Abraham hundreds of years before tithing was introduced. Jesus in the New Testament reaffirms tithing, but this is kind of where it's first introduced. Now, when I first heard about this idea, it was hard for me because I, I used to think, you know, I worked hard, I, I earned this, this is, this is mine, right? And, and, but, but God pushed back on that. He's like, Angel, I gave you life. I gave you the strength in your muscles. I gave you the brain to do the work. I gave you the opportunities to get the work. And so a little bit of what is yours is actually mine. Let me illustrate it a different way. When my kids were little, I would take them to McDonald's. And I know there might be some joining us online or watching, or, or you're, maybe you're here and you would like, I would never take my little Reginald to McDonald's. All right. That's wonderful. I did it. I still do it. I miss the McRib. I'm sad. I'm hurt about it. I like McDonald's. Anyway. So I have two sons and a daughter, and my, uh, one of my sons is about four years old at the time. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to embarrass Josiah, but um, <laughs> he was about four. Did any of your kids, all they ever wanted to eat when they were little was chicken nuggets? Raise your hand. Look at that. What kind of heroin were they putting in those nuggets, man, at McDonald's? All the kids want. Anyway, so, so my son, all he wanted to eat was chicken nuggets. Now, he was a little guy, so he only needed like four. Maybe if he was really hungry, he'd eat five or six. So I would buy him 10. I'd buy him 10 nuggets. And we'd sit down, and I would say, hey, bud, after we sat down, started eating, can I have one of your nuggets? And he'd look at me, dad, you have your own food. Eat your food. And I'd say, I know, bud, but, but I bought you more than you need. I gave you more than you need so that you could be generous and give me one. As a matter of fact, son, if it wasn't for me, you wouldn't have those nuggets. You'd be naked living on the street if it wasn't for your generous, benevolent father. But because I love you and I take care of you, I'm buying you 10 nuggets. I'm just asking for one back. And he would eventually look at his mom, oh, fine, take it. And you know, I, I'll take it no matter what his attitude was. I don't care if he's angry, happy, generous. I'm taking the nugget. Now, I would do this with my kids. I would give them more than they needed so that, number one, I could have a nugget because I wanted one. Number two, to teach them tithing and generosity. And that's what God does for us. He gives us more than we need so that we can be generous with some. We shouldn't consume everything we have. In the United States, we consume, generally speaking, statistically speaking, we consume all we have plus 5 or 10% that we put on credit cards. That's not God's plan. He wants us to live with margin, to save a little and to give him what's his. As a matter of fact, this church, we tithe as a church. Everything that comes into the offering, we take 10% of it and we give it away. We also take another 10% of it and we save it. I think that's a pretty good way to operate finances. I think it's a pretty good way for you to operate yours, and I think it's a pretty good way to operate the churches. God is extremely generous with us so that we can give him what is his. The second P is priority. God's place is first. The key to Edward Kenner's vaccine was we, it had to be applied before the smallpox showed up. 
If it was put on after, it was too late. This is God talking, again, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10 in the Message Bible. This is what he says. Honor God with everything you own. Give him the first and best. Your barns will burst, your wine vats will brim over. So God is saying, my place is first. So when you take a harvest, he says, I want you to give me mine first. He could have said anything else. And you might be thinking, well, Angel, if you knew my situation, my financial situation, then you would tell me, you know, go ahead and, and get out of debt and, and pay off some of your bills. And, and then whatever's left, maybe you could give some of that to God. But that's not what God is saying. God is telling us he wants to be first. And that's because this isn't, he's not concerned about our money. He's concerned about our heart. And he wants to have that seat of first. When the nation of Israel crossed the Jordan River and went into the promised land, they started to, they scoped it out and they said, okay, we're going to attack this nation and then this nation and this nation. And the first one they got to was the, the city of Jericho. And before they get there, look what God tells Joshua. He says, all of the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. In other words, this first city, all of the silver and gold are mine. And then you have to trust me and have faith that I'm going to give you more cities to conquer. But this one is mine. Now, God could have easily said, you know what? Conquer the first nine, I'll take the tenth. He could have done that. But that putting God first takes faith. And he's inviting us to have faith. This whole journey is a journey of faith. I've had people ask me, why doesn't God just show himself? Why doesn't he appear on, on the pitcher's mound at Yankee Stadium during the World Series, right? And just show us who he is. Because then it wouldn't require any faith. This whole thing requires faith. It, took, it takes faith to say, God, you're First. Now think about the people that took Edward Kenner's vaccinations. They were perfectly healthy. So far what they had been doing had been working. They probably figured, you know, avoiding the disease is working pretty well. My way's working. Might not be the best, but it's working. But it took a great amount of faith for them to say, okay, I'll take this vaccination. I'll get a full-blown case of cowpox trusting that I'm not going to get smallpox. Back then there was no Tylenol. No airborne, no emergency, none of that stuff. They just had to deal with it. But they didn't die. In that same way, God is asking us, I want you to trust me up front and give me what's mine first. When Diane and I get paid, the first check we write is our tithing check. Okay, sorry, some of you. Um, a check is a piece of paper <laughs> in a little book, and you like write stuff on it, and then they trade it at the bank, and... We don't do, honestly, we don't do checks. We do it all online. But we always do his first. When we became Christians, we had been Christians like, I don't know, two days or two weeks or something, and we heard about this tithing. And I said, okay, so are we, are we doing this? Is, are we really going all in? And, and yeah, we, we agreed we're going all in. If we're going to place, if we're going to trust God with our kids, with our marriage, with our jobs, with the eternal, our eternal soul, like, okay, God, I trust you that when I die, you're going to catch me and take me to heaven. Then we're going to trust him with our money. But it's so much easier to trust him with all that other stuff. But my money, you're messing with my money, dog. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's challenging. I get it. 
But God is his antidote to that generosity. Last P stands for percentage. Tithe, that word tithe means tenth or 10%. So this is God, again, in the book of Leviticus. A tithe from the Lord's produce, whether grain from the ground or fruit from the trees, is God's. It's holy to the Lord. He lays out a percentage-based giving system. Why? Why does he do that? So that everyone can sacrifice equally, not necessarily give the same amount. That's not important. What he's looking for, not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. So he's like, I want everybody to do the same percentage. And I know some of you might be thinking 10% is crazy. I can't do that. God wants me to give that. That is insane. But if we believe that God gave us everything we have, the breath in our lungs, the strength in our muscles, the opportunities that we have to work, then all we receive comes from his hand. So let's say that God gave me 10 oranges. I was going to do 10 eggs. But that's like $300 a dozen now, so I did oranges. They're cheaper. So God gives me 10 oranges, and he says, okay, angel, these are for you. But I'm asking you to trust me that I'll provide more. And so I'm asking you to give me one orange, and then you can keep the other nine. All right, great. And then he gives me Doritos. These are spicy nacho. That's what I used in the Spanish. Get it? Anyway, okay. God gives us Doritos, right? Now, you can argue about a lot of stuff. But you can't argue that Doritos aren't awesome. I'll take Fritos over Doritos, but Doritos are a good second. God says, I want to bless you, my child, with 10 bags of Doritos, but I'm going to ask you to trust me and to give me one. Bread. Does anybody remember when Oprah Winfrey said, I love bread? <laughs> I love bread too. Carbs, that's my favorite food group. I know it's a shock to look at me and hear that. There's nothing better when you go to an Italian restaurant, a little bread, a little oil. Oh, I love that. I miss Johnny Carino's. Anyway, God says, I'm going to give you 10 loaves of bread, but I'm going to ask you to trust me and give me one. Cereal. If you have teenagers, you know that this is about three minutes worth of cereal right here. <laughs> Two and a half minutes, maybe, right? But God gives it to us. Everything we have is his. And so he asks us, okay, I'm going to give you this. I'm just asking for one. Coffee. God gives us coffee. It's one of the best things he gives us. Because even he knows. I don't want to be around you if you haven't had your coffee. Right? So he blesses us with coffee. And he says, I'm going to give you all of that. All I'm asking for is one. Last thing. This stuff. We were in Chicago one time, and we were walking by this vendor, and he says, hey, you like uh, caramel corn? I said, yeah, I like caramel corn. He goes, you like cheese corn? I said, yeah, I like cheese corn. He says, you like them together? I said, talk to me, big dog. What are we doing here? <laughs> this is called Chicago-style caramel cheese corn. It is so good. We have a bag of this for everyone. I'm just kidding. We don't. And that's like too expensive. Sorry. And God's... Just like when you give your kids good stuff and it fills your heart to give it to them, God's the same way. He's a loving father. 
And he says, I want to give this to you. And the only thing I'm asking is, will you give me one back? Now, it's easy to, to think about this stuff and say, man, I, I can't believe God. Look at, look at all of God, all that God is asking for. I can't believe God wants 10% of everything. And God's looking at us and he's saying, look at all I've given you. Do you see the difference between what God is asking and what he's giving us? Now, let me tell you, if you've ever done this, if you've ever practiced tithing, you know what I'm about to say is true. Diane and I have been doing this for 27 years. When you give God what is his, he takes the 90% and makes it last longer than if you had kept all 100 to yourself. God does that every single time. He shows himself. This is the only area in the Bible where God says, test me and see if I won't do it. The only time in the Bible we can test God is with this, with tithing. Now, I know sometimes people, they get, well, this, this is, it's big. I get it. It is big. But at the end of the day, the bottom line is tithing is an act of surrender. God is saying, is this all mine or not? Have I given you everything or not? Do I own all of it or not? Tithing, it's an it's a uncomfortable conversation. Believe me. I don't look forward to talking about tithing because of your faces right now. But <laughs> you know what else I hate? I hate going for physicals because they do stuff, especially as you get older, that's uncomfortable. But it saves your life. It makes your life last longer. So I'm willing to do it, right? In that same way, God is, look, God is saying, look, I'm looking for surrender. And I get pushed back on this stuff, believe me, all the time. People joining us online, and they'll ask questions like, is that even still required? Isn't that an Old Testament thing? Didn't Christ abolish that? Uh, do I tithe off of my gross or my net income? Does God really expect me to tithe if I'm struggling financially? I tithe my time to the church. Isn't that enough? What is the least I can give and still receive God's blessing? With that question, we're completely missing the point. Because the reason God did 10% is because... The 10 represents the whole thing. The one represents it all. And so it's, it's, it's math, simple math. 10 times 10 is 100. So God says, I want to take one of everything so that in your heart, you're really giving me all of everything. Does that make sense? It, the one represents the 10. So here's, here's what I'll put out to you. Do with it what you will. Here at Mosaic for the last 15 years, we've been offering a 90-day tithe challenge guarantee. What that is, is try this for 90 days. Tithe for 90 days. And see if God doesn't open the windows of heaven and bless you. And if he doesn't, we'll write you a check back for 100% of all your tithe. Now, I've been offering that for 15 years. Do you know how many checks we've ever had to write? Zero. Because God does not lie. His word is true. He does what he says he's going to do. And maybe you're still cynical and you're just like, Angel's just trying to build the church and build Angel Flotus International Worldwide Evangelistic Crusades Association or whatever. I don't care anything about that. You're so, if, if, if you're like, I don't know, I don't know, let me, let me throw out another idea. Tied to another church. There's great churches here in town, life-giving churches. Tied to one of them. It, it, you're going to see God do it. And so you're like, well, I don't, I don't really trust Angel or Mosaic or whatever. Then, then, then tied to Christ's community or Journey, or City Lights, or Cornerstone, or Vineyard, tied to one of them, and see if God doesn't do it. I'd be willing, 
I believe in this that much. I'm not trying to get your money. I'm trying to get you blessed. I'm trying to get God to bless what you have. I want more for you. So here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to pray. Uh, before I, I pray, let me just share with you one last little story. You know, pastors, uh, when we started this church especially, uh, don't traditionally make a lot of money. And so when our daughter, Marissa, she's, she's the MC today. She'll be coming up after me. Uh, when she was about, she was in, a junior in high school, she started looking at colleges. And she started filling out scholarship applications. And she comes to me one day and she says, Dad, this is asking me a question. I think I already know the answer, but let me ask. Um, how much do I have in my college fund? And I said, well, you know how every morning when you wake up, the house is warm, and then you turn on the lights and the lights turn on, and there's cereal in the cabinet and milk in the fridge? That's what I did with your college fund. Like, so zero, right? So, but, and Diane and I were stressed because we're like, how are we going to pay for college? Like, how are we going to do this? And she was the first of our three. And uh, she applied for a scholarship called the Daniels Fund, and it pays for 100% tuition, books, fees, everything. And we prayed, and she got it. And so her, for her entire education, she ended her, she got her degree owing zero dollars in student loan debt. So then our second son, Caleb, uh, he, he, he was getting ready to go to school. So he applied for the Daniels Fund too. And I was like, this is God's way. The Daniels Fund is how Jesus pays for my kids' college. Amen. And he didn't get it. And I was like, dang it. Lord, what are we going to do? And he got a job at T-Mobile selling cell phones. And one of the things they did is they would do tuition reimbursement. So basically we had to pay for like the first semester and then they would just keep rolling that money over and he did that all the way until he graduated from college. He graduated owing zero dollars. Then my youngest, Josiah, he didn't get the Daniels either. So I'm mad at Bill Daniels now. Rest in peace, but I'm mad at him. <laughs> Josiah applied for a bunch of other scholarships and he ended up getting a bunch of them and he graduated from college owing zero dollars. That's pretty uncommon these days. I believe it's because we gave God what was His. And we just said, Lord, we're all in. Our problems are your problems too. So let's partner together. So we're going to pray. We're just going to pray a prayer of surrender. And whatever that means to you, whatever that means in terms of generosity, I just want to encourage you, whatever God tells you, just say yes. All right, let's pray. Lord, we trust you. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our kids. We trust you with our finances, with our relationships. We trust you with our families. And God, we trust, you with, we trust you with everything. So today, Lord, whatever you're asking, our answer is yes. Whatever you're pushing on our heart, we're going to do it. Whether we do the 90-day challenge, we tie to another church, whatever. We're going we're gonna to trust you, and we're going to believe that your word is true. That you're going to take care of us because you're a good father. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last chorus with us one more time? Praise you again and again Cause all that I have is a hallelujah Hallelujah And I know it's not much But I'm nothing else fit for a king Except for a heart singing
our Bible reading plan, we're in Matthew, and we read about when Peter is walking on the water, and he's all alone in the middle of the water, and a storm starts to come, and he feels confident, right? He's alone, he's walking, he's making it, but when this storm hits, it starts to rain, and it's thunder and lightning and wind, and he becomes afraid and starts to sink. And he reaches out for Jesus, and Jesus grabs his hand, pulls him into the boat, calms the storm. And the whole reason Mosaic exists is to pull people who are far from God and bring them into the boat where Jesus can bring over and supernatural peace. So if you are in that place and you wanna invite Jesus into your life and start on the journey with having Jesus in your boat, we wanna say a prayer for you. So I'm gonna have everyone close your eyes and bow your heads and repeat after me. There's nothing special about these words. It is about the heart behind it. Everyone say, dear God, thank you for this gift. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. Today I invite you into my life. I want to be a different person. Forgive me for all the evil things I've ever done. Help me on this new walk. Make me more like you. Amen. You can be seated. If you just said that prayer for the first time, we want to say welcome. Yes. And we want to help you on this journey. So if you will take out your phone, scan this QR code. It's a form to fill out. It says, I have accepted Christ as my savior today. We just want to send you some resources to help you along, the new, along your new journey. If you are here for the first time, like I'm so proud of you. Going anywhere new is so stressful for me. I still remember what I wore on my first day of middle school because it like brought that much anxiety to me. So great job on going somewhere new. If you will also scan the QR code, fill out the form, tell us who you are. We just want to invite you to this community, introduce ourselves, send you a gift. Promise we're not going to spam you. Um, tons of emails. Speaking of getting into the boat, there are tons of ways to connect here at Mosaic. Sometimes life can feel lonely. And so next Sunday, we have connect group signups. Connect groups are where you will meet with other people here in this community, here at Mosaic, and do something with like-minded individuals. So we have connect groups for women. We have connect groups for men. We have ones for your kids because our kids need other friends, right? Who are also trying to follow Jesus' footsteps. We have connect groups for families. We have connect groups for y'all who are trying to get your bodies right for summer and get your workout on. We have fitness connect groups. So join us next Sunday. If you're interested in hosting a connect group, you can stop by the info center, but do not miss signups. We also have first Saturday prayer. Every first Saturday of the month, every month, we pray here at Mosaic at 9 a.m. It's a great way to start out your week and your month and get reconnected. Um, our last form of worship today is giving. If you did not receive your giving statement in an email, you should have gotten an email this week. If you didn't, head to the info cart. They are the giving statements for 2022. But I really, really love being a part of this community because of how Mosaic lives to give. They give away, they tithe just as much as we are called to, which is the 10%. So prior to tithing, Matthew and I were not very generous people. We would go out to eat at a restaurant, right? And the waitress, we'd go out with friends and the waitress would bring the check and be like, do you just want to split it right down the middle? And I'm like, mm-mm, I didn't order a drink. I didn't order that appetizer. I didn't eat those potato skins. Nuh-uh, that goes on their check. Oh!
I'm more generous. <laughs>